Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Up, it's episode number 91 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's sneakiest Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me as usual is the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover, Liam O'Donnell. How you doing today, Liam? I'm okay, Doug. How are you? Liam, what's so funny, Liam? That was one of the more ridiculous intros that you've given me on this show, and you've given me a lot of really stupid intros. The intros have gotten a little bit boring lately. I wanted to perk it up with something a little bit more interesting, Liam, and it sounded like it worked. Liam, how is the new year 2019 treating you? Um, on one hand, uh, it's pretty good because I've gotten to do a lot more recording with both Cinepunks and Harvestness lately, so I feel a little bit ahead of the curve on that. Liam, c- you can save the plugging for the end of the show, please. But I and, and uh, <laughs> I hate you so much. But I, it's just nice to be able to like feel like pretty caught up with that already. But it's uh, not great in that you know I started doing the substitute teaching thing and it has not um, been as lucrative as I would like like there's just hasn't been I, between my schedule and just not great stuff coming up I just haven't gotten to work as much as I would like so mm-hmm. I think that you know it's the good and the bad nothing terrible has happened but you know of, of the teaching that you've been doing lately Liam what kind of age group have you been in front of oh I'm trying to stick to high school I did one day oh I did one day with middle school and that was not enjoyable for me so i'm trying to do high school i I think i would be okay with some elementary school (laughs) age groups but the problem there is at least in in most of the schools around here when you let's say you sub for a fourth grade teacher you're just with them all day long and i can't imagine being interesting to one group of kids for an entire day that's just too much liam i i have to say that when i think about you teaching a high school class the image I have in my head is you taking a, a chair and you spinning it around and sitting on it, right, with the back of it in front of you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hey, guys, can I rap with you a second? And, like, you're getting right down to the level that's like, hey, you know, I'm like one of you guys, right? And then you say, I'm a punk. I'm straight edge. I know what's going on. And then you you basically don't even – you end up learning about Shakespeare, but it's through the uh, the, the the visor of their shared experience, I just feel like this is a joke that would be made on so many other podcasts that, like, we might get sued from you, like, stealing other people's intellectual property at this point. Did you rap with these high school students, though? I mean, no. I try not to engage with them as much as possible. Do they call you Mr. O'Donnell? I do have to insist that they call me Mr. O'Donnell. As opposed to? Liam. (laughs) Why? It's one of the rules. It's one of the things you don't. You don't let them call you by your first name. That's that's rule numero uno. Uh, sh- shut up, Mister McDonald. <laughs> uh, our distinguished guest this week is the president of the American Vaping Association and a harm reduction advocate focusing on vaping and e-cigarette legislation. It's Greg Connolly. How you doing today, Greg? I'm doing great. I'm so glad to finally be on. Greg, how was it listening to me tell Liam to shut up live in person? A dream come true. Isn't it a great moment to be alive? A great, it's a great time in your country, don't you agree? Yeah, 
uh, new entertainment every day, and uh, for another, I don't know, 18 weeks or so, a new Eric Roberts podcast every two weeks. Well, I mean, we might fall behind, so who knows? But I, I appreciate, Greg, not only do I appreciate you coming on the show, but I also appreciate the fact that you're a fan of the show, and you get all my humor, and you get how I'm, uh, when I say things like to Liam, like I mock his teaching and his relationship and his daughter and his uh, drug situation that I'm just having a little bit of fun. And I think you recognize that, Greg. No, I think you're entirely serious and that you hate Liam. It's one of my favorite parts of the show. Well, I mean, you know what? I feel a little weird because the truth is coming out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Greg, what are we talking about? I was looking at my phone. Liam, all I want to say to you, Liam, (laughs) all I want to say is that I love you. Very much. And, and I'd hate to think that you ever took my jabs and my mockery seriously. And I know that if you were to come at me with the same level of mockery, I'd take it seriously and I probably would feel really bad about it, which makes me feel bad about what I do to you. I'm just glad to be part of your uh, gigantic guilt cycle. That's, it's what I am. Greg, vaping, what's it all about? What, why sh- should I be vaping? Should Liam be, ba- be, va- uh, be vaping? Neither of you are smokers, especially Liam, because he is straight edge. As He's I know straight from- edge, and he can't break it, or like someone will yell at him, probably. So, since you are now not, since neither of you are smokers, I would say mm. do not vape. But oh, for okay. the forty million plus Americans that are still smoking, the however many there are in Canada, this is a great option. You have groups like the Royal College of Physicians, Public Health England, that have come out and said that uh, they're at least ninety-five percent less harmful than smoking and so i myself quit with them eric roberts quit with them as well the actor the actor eric roberts <laughs> quit smoking with uh vaping products and so i've been doing advocacy for these products for around eight years now like what got you into that like it, did it did your interest in vaping come first or did your interest in people quitting cigarettes come first my interest in getting my own self off of cigarettes came first. Oh. I had tried a little bit of everything, the gum patch lozenge all through college and law school, and nothing had worked for me. And then this product came along. There were internet ads popping up for e-cigarettes, these battery-operated sure. little things that looked like cigarettes and didn't think it would work, and it did. You know, Liam said to me that only jackasses and weirdos vape. Isn't that right, Liam? <laughs> You're the worst person ever. Right before we, right before you came on, I think that's what he said to me. But is the, I, 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 I technically just tell you every show that the various things that jackasses do. I have a whole yeah. list that I'm going through of about 300 things. Do you think, Greg, that there is a negative, or at least was a negative connotation with vaping in terms of the kind of people who did it? But you seem like a regular guy who just was trying to. Quit smoking. It seems like a pretty reasonable thing that doesn't involve having like a top knot or uh, uh, what do you like to say, Liam, driving around on a hoverboard? Yeah, basically. I don't have a hoverboard. My neck and face is freshly, cleanly shaven. Mm. Um, but the problem is, is the people who are that people actually see out in public vaping a lot of the times they are the quote unquote worst stereotype of a vapor. (laughs) You have meanwhile, the other two, three, four million vapors out in the United States that have switched to these products. They aren't out on the streets, blowing up clouds and making people notice them. And in fact, the thing that you just said a few minutes ago, Greg should have been confirmation of that one, Mr. Eric Roberts himself vapes. And it's the way that he quits cigarettes. And if you're going to be cool like Eric Roberts, you're not going to be uncool like those people you were just referring to. 
Exactly. And I got to talk to Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts came to the Smoke Free Alternatives Trade Association conference about two years ago and got to hang out with him and his handler. Uh, I forget his name. Uh, may, have, may have come to the, uh, the show that you did in Chicago with him. And he's a great guy. Interesting guy, to say the least. I can tell you when he came to the Music Box Theater in Chicago, he did not have a handler or anyone. He just came in through the front door, <laughs> and it was pretty much the most surreal thing I've ever experienced. And I'm pretty sure Liam would probably say the same. Yep, and he definitely had his uh, vape drawn with him. He did. He was vaping. Uh, uh, he did not smoke with me because I wasn't cool enough, but he did smoke with some friends of ours, and they had uh, positive things to say. Isn't that correct, Liam? They sure did. Greg, what can we all do to help uh, uh, support your efforts to make vaping uh, more accessible for people? Well, our, I'll get into the plugs at the end of the show, but essentially, thank if, you. I'll wait, unlike Liam. Um, <laughs> if you are a vapor, then it's really important that you actually let your state and local lawmakers know that this is an issue that you care about. Make it on the list of items that you might want to discuss if you meet your state legislator at a town hall or anything. Uh, we do a lot of advocacy trying to connect people because legislators just don't know about these products. And so that's what a lot of my day job is. It's it's just getting the word out and communicating with people and educating them. And it's, it's I honestly... I don't think I really thought that much about it, which is kind of funny to say because on my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, and it feels like I'm plugging right now, my co-host on that podcast is very into the whole vaping thing. Uh, and, and now that I vape myself because I uh, vape legal marijuana here in Canada, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, I, I feel all the more connected with you and what you're working through, Greg. And I want the audience to know that you're not just on because – you uh, are, are are a significant figure in this field of uh, harm reduction and, and the American Vaping Association, but you're also a fan of the show. I'm a fan of the show and a fan of Eric Roberts. Uh, now, I, you know, this, would, this would lead me to a very common question on the yes. show, which is, what's your Eric Roberts story, Greg? Well, unlike seemingly every guest <laughs> Roberts. it's either runaway train or star 80 or one of the early ones but i actually narrowed it down today my first eric roberts film was either trip fall the one where he oh has my. aids with John <laughs> uh, luck of the draw our film today or oh. the alternate with ice t and i think brian Genesee. uh fantastic film uh, including the overseas artwork that people have posted on Twitter where Ice-T is on the cover, but it's actually just a random black guy from the film and not Ice-T. Now, we at Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man have a long history with the alternate. Isn't that right, Liam? We sure do. And in fact, we asked Eric Roberts himself about that movie because we were so curious about the fact that it's called The Alternate, even though he is referred to as the replacement throughout the entire movie, including in the very final line of that movie. But uh, uh, it, in fact, The Alternate has some uh, connections with the movie that we're going to talk about today that you've already referred to, Luck of the Draw. This is a movie that you brought to us, Greg. Did you bring it to us because it was one of the first Eric Roberts movies that you uh, saw or were aware of, of him as an actor in? Or are there alternative reasons? I actually brought it because for some reason several months ago I was on eBay and through some random search I found a profile that I think must have belonged to somebody who worked in Ice-T's agent's 
office, his film <laughs> agent's office, because there was like 12 scripts for sale and nine or 10 of them ended up having iced tea in them. And just for the heck of it, I saw Luck of the Draw. I saw Stealth Fighter, a Jim Wynorski film. I saw um, The Heist that had Luke Perry and Ice-T and someone else uh, in it. And they were like eight bucks each. So I was like, yeah, who? Uh, what kind of interesting memorabilia, what other interesting memorabilia can you have but scripts from movies that nobody remembers but me? Um, <laughs> And so when I, once I got the script, I was like, I'm nearing the end of, I, I got into Eric Roberts as the man very late in the game. I think you're up mm-hmm. to episode 50 or so. Uh, so I was nearing the end. I had my script for luck of the draw. And I thought, what better way uh, of trying to edge my way on to a great podcast than to approach the Eric Roberts show. So you have the script for this movie. Yes, and it did not change much. And you even uh, when we get into it, there's some notes, but but very much so the script that went out was actually what was filmed. Interesting. Very interesting. We'll talk about that, of course, in just a little bit. But first we need to talk about all of the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for episode number 91 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive in the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, and I think that you should. Hey, it's Eric Roberts movie time. Liam, more Eric Roberts movie reviews on his Twitter feed this week. Are you excited? So excited. Just earlier today on the day that we're recording this, Eric Roberts tweeted, Taken 3 at Taken Movies UK was every bit as good as hashtag Taken. Over to you for a second, Greg. Are you a fan of the Taken movie series starring Liam Neeson? I am. I'm honestly not sure if I've seen the third one, and I just looked it up, and I still don't remember if I saw it. Uh, so maybe it didn't make that great of a uh, intention with me, but it's kind of our our generation's death wish, I guess. We need some giant guns in the fourth one, perhaps. It certainly is more of our generation's death wish than the movie Death Wish, which just came out last year. <laughs> yeah, apparently Taken 3 came out in 2014. A little late to the game here, Eric Roberts, with his review, but obviously a big fan of Taken. Liam, I'm going to guess that you're not a fan of the Taken series because there is some xenophobia in it. Um, no, I, I, I actually don't care about that. You know, fuck all. You should care about that. And, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, my goodness. I, that first movie... I remember thinking it was kind of fun because of the excessive neck punching. It's just Liam Neeson, just neck punching people over and over and over again, punches to the neck. And I thought, well, that's kind of fun. Uh, But then as the series has continued, I haven't been able to maintain interest. Well, let's see what the plot of Taken 3 is. Hmm. Oh, did you know that (laughs) Taken 3... Taken Three was co-wrote, uh, co-written, I should say, by Luc Besson. Liam, did you under- Did you hear that Luc Besson is like a scumbag, a piece of garbage person? No, I didn't even hear about that. What happened? Oh, I think he's been taken down by the Me Too movement. Let me let me get the details on that. <laughs> I, I guess that's not that big a surprise, though. <laughs> Why? Why would you say that? I don't know because it's like. <sighs> just seems like every dude who makes uh a certain kind of action film is like getting attacked right now and and my man that doesn't come across i don't know his movies come across a little leering to me at times especially uh i think there's a lot of 
there's a lot of awkward things in the professional that I tried to write off as like not a big deal. And, you know, I kind of like that movie in some ways, but then there's other parts where I'm like, is this okay? Is, is, I don't know. It seems a little weird. Well, in 2018, Luc Besson was accused of rape by actress San Van Roy and other actresses who wished to remain anonymous. And then later, five women declared similar statements against Besson, including a former assistant, two students at his studio, and a former employee of uh, Europa Corps, which he, uh, he, he, I believe, runs. So Luc Besson canceled. Liam, back on January 10th, Eric Roberts tweeted, Have you ever called anyone late at night or early in the morning and had them be fake awake? Question mark. Now, Liam, I don't know what he necessarily means by this, but I'm going to guess that he means that when you call somebody and they answer the phone and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm awake, I'm awake, but you can tell that they were asleep the whole time. Is that your interpretation of this? I guess so. I don't know how often I've personally ever called anyone at this time of night, but, yeah, I guess so. I'm the kind of guy, Liam, because I don't have a young daughter who likes to sleep in a little bit, especially on the weekends. And if someone called me maybe at nine and I was still sleeping, I'd be like, oh, no, no, yeah, I'm awake. But I would be lying. I would be fake awaking. I have to do this all the time because why is this, Greg? Oftentimes I will have a project that I want to get done. So I'll be up until four or five a.m. Sure. And I work from home when I'm not on the road three Mm -hmm. uh, a quarter or more of the year. So I will just, rather than setting an alarm, I'll leave my ringer on. So it'll be oh. 9, 10 a.m. and the first press phone call of the day. And I have to kind of psych myself up to answer the phone and give that hello. So it sounds as if I am not just being awoken from a slumber. There's nothing worse than saying the hello and then the other person go like, I didn't just wake you up, did, did I? No, because of course then it, not. It, it means that they could hear something in your voice, which would suggest that. But Liam, you're probably up pretty early in the morning. Uh, most mornings, yeah, I'm up pretty early. You know, notoriously, Eric Roberts is a bit of a uh, a night owl uh, because he, uh, I think he, he suffers from insomnia. Uh, if, if I remember correctly from the episode of uh, wife swap, celebrity wife swap that he was on. And of course, notoriously, his house is haunted by a ghost. So <laughs> so he has to be very careful about being up late at night, Liam. Oh, right. Well, I, this was something I couldn't remember from the two reality things we watched. Is the ghost house the same house that's in the cat show? Yes, I believe so. Because there is a part in that ghost episode where they have one of those... Those like radio things where you're hearing like blips and bleeps and you're supposed to interpret them as like that said he said hello. You could hear him say hello. Uh, and they're doing that in the kitchen. And I'm pretty sure that's the same kitchen that we see in the My Cat from Hell episode. And of course, it's got the squirrel sanctuary. Oh, right. And of course, Greg- that show only features Eric Roberts, the man, not Eric Roberts, the actor. That's right. Just just Eric Roberts, the human being. <laughs> Greg, I didn't mean to be to make light of the uh, supernatural. What are your thoughts on the existence of ghosts? Um, I don't have any thoughts on ghosts. If they mm-hmm. are real, they have not yet revealed themselves to me. So you, you, are you staying cautiously optimistic when it comes to the whole spooks thing? Yeah, they could be good. Uh, we'll see. Scary ghosts? If Eric Roberts believes in ghosts, then I guess I have to as well. I mean, that is that is logic that I cannot break through. Liam, I can't remember. You you think ghosts are bullshit, right? I'm not into it. <laughs> Liam, back on January 9th, uh, Eric Roberts continued his series of political tweets. He tweeted, uh, this is in response to uh, some of the uh, recent news stories about 
Donald Trump threatening to remove funding for uh, California in the wake of the wildfires in 2018. Uh, and he uh, he tweeted, Eric Roberts tweeted, imagine if it was you, letter U, at real Donald Trump, and you have no place to go and no means, and the insurance funds that you'd paid for were cut off. You'd fight. You'd be outraged, except people paid insurance and taxes to receive benefits and not you. Uh, Eric Roberts obviously very upset about the uh, the Donald Trump's recent uh, statements. Uh, it seems, by for some, Liam, I read sometimes, that people think that because Donald Trump is not very popular in California, that uh, people feel like he is intentionally taking out his frustrations on them by making these sort of threats. Greg, would you agree with that? Yeah, I have a lot of problems with California, so I can't say I'm too sad about it. But uh, I, I agree with Eric Roberts' sentiment. You would fight. You would be outraged. Sure. Now, you would like to see California burn. Is that correct, Greg Comet? Not necessarily burn. I just mm. want to see our politicians kind of poke it a little bit. Oh, burn Hollywood burn. Remember that movie, Liam? <laughs> uh, you mean song or was that a movie? The Alan it's a Smithy movie. film. The Alan Smithy movie, Burn Hollywood Burn. Weirdly, I'm more familiar with the Public Enemy song than the uh, film. Remember the movie The Public Enemy starring Joe Pesci? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> Back on January 8th, Eric Roberts tweeted, Words are symbols for what we hide behind them. I hope all bullied people of all degrees and manifestations of bullying find some comfort in that. And I hope all bullies find a safe place to reveal and process their fears instead of all the cruelty they falsely think shields them. Now, here's the thing. On Eric Roberts is the fucking man, we have a little bit of fun with Eric Roberts' Twitter feed. And we, 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 you know, we, we use it as a launching point for conversation. I actually think this, this is a very sincere, very nice statement from the Eric Roberts' Twitter feed. And I think it's something that I, I actually felt that, uh, that we could all learn from. Liam, am I being a softy? I, am I softening in my old age? No, I, I understand what you're saying, and, and I appreciate that. I don't know that <clears throat> the common thought is that bullies, for the most part, are people who are dealing with deep pain, and this is how they mm. process their pain. Um, but recent research shows that that's only true about half the time. Um, and so I, I, I want to be careful that we don't assume every bully is this like secretly hurting person that really just needs love, because that just doesn't play out. And what what are these? Other, what's the other half? What's what's their deal? It just makes them feel good. They're just having fun. <laughs> Sounds like they sound like jerks to me. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is that like I get it. Uh, as you know, I'm someone who has uh, pretty strong humanist inclinations in the sense of you know uh, believing in the power of people. But it turns out sometimes people are just bad. They're just bad, and that doesn't mean they can't be good. But I think we do a disservice when we just assume that, like, all any bully needs is love. Sometimes they don't just need love. Greg Connolly, bullies, yay or nay? Nay. I sometimes have to deal with uh, state legislators that like to bully, uh, sometimes privately, and sometimes words are exchanged. Unfortunately, they hold a lot of power, and I don't. Well, uh, this this goes out to both of you. There's a a band— uh, fairly well known, called the Beatles, and they had a song that was called <laughs> "All You Need Is Love." Liam. Uh, I hate Liam? you so much, right? So it sounds like to me that uh, that your thought about uh, about love and and its uh, power that you're underestimating the words of the Beatles, Liam. 
there's so many mean things I could say right now, but I'm really trying not to, so I, I just won't. What are you going to say, Obladi-Oblada? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to accuse you of being the walrus. Cuckoo ka Liam. <laughs> <laughs> I think Paul, uh, wait, was it, who was the walrus? Wasn't it that, that uh, John Lennon said that Paul was the walrus, and later he took it back, and he said that he was the walrus, Liam? I mean, I was gonna say something. <laughs> I was gonna say something that I would have had to have you edit out later, so I won't say it. Say it. <laughs> say it. I just don't know how effective love was against Jodie Foster's army. That's all I'm saying. Oh my goodness! <laughs> what a thing to say. Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry. Very mean spirited. I can't uh, oh. help it. I'm just saying this is what it's just like. That's the perfect example of like, actually. Yes, in a different circumstances, love would have been very effective, but sometimes it's not the most expedient thing that you could have had, you know? Greg, Greg I'm so glad that I'm bringing this podcast to a close because this <laughs> kind of behavior from Liam is really beyond the pale. And I'm sorry that you had to hear that. What an offensive joke you just made, Liam. Greg, your thoughts on the Beatles? <laughs> well, first, it's all that punk music rotting his brain. Yeah, right? <laughs> rotting his teeth and his brain. Ah. And Beatles, I've spent very little bit, very, very small bits of time in my life actually listening to them. But I, I've known people that have been giant fans. Oh, yeah. I'm one of them, man. I love the Beatles. And honestly, Liam making fun of one of its core members being shot, it, it really does twist my stomach into knots. Though then I remember that John Lennon used to beat his wife around and it makes me feel not so bad about the joke. Maybe that's all on me, Liam. Look. Liam, opening January 18th in Los Angeles is Unbridled. And I had a message from a uh, film reviewer today telling me that he was he was watching Unbridled, which uh, longtime listeners might remember us talking about this previously. Unbridled is a movie about an abused girl who's paired with a mistreated horse as part of an equine, equine, right, Liam? Yeah, I think that's right. Equine therapy program. Uh, now, uh, that plot summary does not give as much information as we gave previously, which I believe this is a movie about human trafficking, and it's also a faith-based movie about a, a, a girl bonding with a horse to get over her trauma. And this movie features Sarah Miller, T.C. Stallings, and Eric Roberts, directed by John David Ware, and it is available to watch if you're in the L.A. area. Uh, of course, Greg does not want you to watch it. He wants you to set yourself on fire, you <laughs> California jerks. <laughs> But not really, of course. Uh, unbridled, uh, faith-based horse uh, therapy. Greg, what do you think? What I'm most appalled about and concerned about is that this movie is an hour and 55 minutes long. <laughs> uh, a movie about equine therapy program starring Eric Roberts should be no longer than 92 minutes. Rome wasn't built in a day. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I will say um, <laughs> this uh, uh, film reviewer who messaged me today, he says... It's so bad, my dude. It's a fucking faith film. And that's all he had to say. That's his review so far. I don't know if he's going to run with that in its final version. But uh, Unbridled, Liam. Uh, Liam, I don't think I've ever asked you this before. What do you think about horses? I don't spend a lot of time thinking about horses, have you ever Have you ever uh, ridden a horse before, Liam? I have. I have. Uh, when? It was... That's a good question. I think it was 2003, 2004. No, it was early. Uh, no, was yeah, 2004. Oh. No, no, no. It was definitely after 9-11. But basically, it was at a camp where was I was... Was it the day after? No, it was not the day after. <laughs> okay. <9/11. laughs> I'm curious. 
Um, yeah, I was at a camp and I had never ridden a horse and, you know, I got a chance to, it seemed okay. You know, I, my experience with horses is, um, I've ridden one once when I was a kid, (laughs) one freaked out, uh, when I was in a stable and kicked a pole and part of the ceiling fell and hit me in the head. Uh Um, and from far away, they look nice. That's about it. That's all I know. And cops ride them. So that's a bummer. That's a negative. That's in the negative. Hey now. Uh, and that's about it. That's all I got. Did not tell you. You are really betraying your right wing leanings on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Is the fucking man, Greg? Uh, I'm just gonna uh, let you answer this very quickly. Uh, if if you ha- owned a horse, and I'm not saying you don't, but if you owned one, what would you name it? Hmm. I know this is a tough one, and I put you on the spot. Uh, in honor, I actually kind of think Ice T. Oh, that's a great. A that's a great thing. one. Ice T. <laughs> Clop on, iced tea. Yeah, no, that's good. Hi-o, iced tea. Oh, wait. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. That is good. I, I've been playing that video game, Red Dead Redemption 2. And in that game, you get to name your horse. And my name, my horse's name is Horsley, uh, co-authored by my wife. Uh, <laughs> she said to call it Horsley. And that's what it is. Liam, what do you think? Would I name a horse? Yeah, I don't want to hear it. 90 Feet from Home is a movie starring Shawn Michaels, the professional wrestler, as an abusive stepfather. And the uh, over at ScreenRant.com, they premiered the trailer for this movie. This is a faith-based movie about a former Major League Baseball player who heads back to his Texan home to confront his abusive stepfather. And I'm not just bringing it up for no reason. It also features Eric Roberts in a supporting role. Now, Liam, I know that you had no idea who Shawn Michaels was before. The uh, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, Liam. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who that is. No, you don't know who it is. Greg, what are your <laughs> thoughts on Shawn Michaels, the actor? I'm not sure what my effects, my, my opinion of Shawn Michaels, the actor is. Mm-hmm. But Shawn Michaels, the sports entertainment, the amateur uh, worked Olympics expert. <laughs> I'm a great fan. Uh, as a child, I remember the 1995, 1996 Royal Rumble winning both of them. So sure. uh, kind of uh, I want to see one of Shawn Michaels' movie. This is not his first. No, this is not his first uh, performance, though. It is uh, like this is a appears to be one of the leads, which is pretty, uh, pretty unusual. But it does seem like most of his career so far has been in these faith based movies because he is notoriously a born again Christian, which uh, I imagine is is part of his connection to the material here. And as we have to state on a regular basis, we've covered a few faith-based movies on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. We are not saying that a faith-based movie can't be good. We just, I just have never seen one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not true. What about the Ten Commandments, Liam? Um, I guess that's fine. Right. Uh, I would, I would argue Tarkovsky films. Sure. Ar- yeah. Argue away, Liam. Right? <laughs> yep. Recently at... Yep. I feel like I'm recording with Mo again. Jesus Christ. No, right. I, I'm sorry. I'm just... I, what do you, you want me to go on a rant about the faith of Tarkovsky in the middle of our Eric Roberts podcast? Uh, as long as this rant uh, lasts for less than 30 seconds, you can rant about anything you want, Liam. You know that's physically impossible for me. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is 2019's Mirror Image from directors Chris W. Freeman and Justin Jones, who also directed 2012's Sorority Party Massacre. Um, this movie's the only description it has on the IMDb is a girl is possessed and kills her own twin sister. Uh, sound, and it's called Mirrors, Mirror Image, so it's like, I guess that's the sister. Eric Roberts plays a character in this movie. Liam, what is this character's name? 
Um, Captain Fanning. <laughs> is that what it is? Is that what you're telling me? His name is Captain Fanning. Uh, if I was to read that, I'm not sure I would come up with the oh, same answer. Oh, <laughs> it's spelled wrong. Is his name Caption Fanning? I'm guessing that his name is Captain Fanning, and they have misspelled it in the IMDb, IMDb profile, which can happen. It's I think not, it's right, you know, and it's just French. It could Cap be Caption. Hello, I'm Caption Fanning. And I hope Eric Roberts pulls out uh, a French accent in the movie. <laughs> and I can already tell, look, I don't want to be mean about this. I don't know anything about the movie. It could end up being really great. But I'm just going to say that Eric Roberts is likely to be the best part of it because he's Eric Roberts, a.k.a. the fucking man, a.k.a. an actor, well-known actor who is beloved by all. Speaking of beloved actor Eric Roberts, he's one of the stars of Luck of the Draw from the year 2000. This is a movie that our guest today chose for us to watch. And I have to say, Greg, when you sent it over, I was like, eh, I'm not sure. I'm not feeling this. The, this is an era of Eric Roberts, which can go a little hot or cold. But then I saw that cast. I looked at that list and I'm like, you know what? Misgivings set aside. I need to watch Luck of the Draw. And we're going to talk all about it right after this. White horses and ladies by the score, all dressed in satin and waiting by the door. Ooh, what a lucky man he was! Ooh, what a lucky man. Jack Sweeney is a young man just trying to get a job. Turned down at another bank due to his criminal record, he meets a girl, Rebecca, but also witnesses a three-way shootout between two groups of criminals and the cops over a suitcase containing perfect plates for counterfeiting banknotes. Jack grabs the plates, attempts to sell them via his friend Zippo. However, with at least three different groups ready to kill him for the plates, Jack finds it's just one double cross after another. It's luck of the draw from the year 2000, and I was doing my Casey Kasem as I was reading that plot test summary just then. Directed by Luca Berkovici, uh, who you might know as the director of the classic horror film Ghoulies, as well as the cult classic Rockula, and also an actor of note. Uh, uh, he appeared in, in many feature films, but I actually remember him most from Charles Band's Parasite, where he plays one of the... Uh, the heavies in that movie, uh, written by uh, Berkovici, uh, as well as Rick Bloggs and Candace King, who I believe is also one of the producers on the film. Luck of the Draw is a star-studded affair, and we say that a lot on the show, but this time we are not kidding around. Uh, aside from Jack Sweeney, uh, who played is played by James Marshall, who, uh, if you don't recognize the name, you probably recognize his giant forehead, which appeared in David Lynch's uh, Twin Peaks and in a number of memes since then. But this also features Dennis Hopper, Michael Madsen, uh, Michael Madsen and Ice-T uh, reuniting from the alternate. Eric Roberts, of course. William Forsyth is in here. And the great Frank Gorshin, the Riddler himself, is in this movie. Uh, somehow, uh, 67-year-old Frank Gorshin has a daughter who appears to be in her mid-20s. But hey, you know, it's possible. It's physically possible. I know it works with Larry King. Luck of the Draw uh, is a movie I was not familiar with going into this. And I was somewhat uh, skeptical, as one would be on Eric Roberts as the fucking man. However... Uh, I actually had a lot of fun with it, and I'm very curious to hear 
both of your thoughts. So I'm going to start with our guest today. Greg, this is a movie obviously you've, uh, you're have you intimately familiar with. Uh, uh, you have the script in your possession. Uh, tell me your thoughts on Luck of the Draw. Luck of the Draw was one of those films that was always on a paid TV channel mm. around the year 2000, 2002, along with Jim Wynorski's Stealth Fighter and Judgment <laughs> Day or Judgment Night with Mario Van Peebles. So I saw this movie quite a few times in my teenage years, and I was a big fan of it. Um, I'm still a fan today. I hadn't watched it for at least a decade. Uh, it's still a star-studded affair. By the way, the list is so long that you left off uh, the great Patrick Kilpatrick from That's the true. Dog Claude Van Damme Death Warrant and many other mm-hmm. films, as well as Sasha, Sasha Mitchell, Cody from Step by Step, as well as the Kickboxer films. That's how jam-packed with uh, video stars this the, film is. You mean the star of Class of 99 too, Sasha, what was his last name again from Mitchell. Step by Step? Sasha, Sasha Mitchell. You know... That, I did not even recognize him in this, but you're, you're right. It, that's what happens when it's so many stars. He is one of the bad guys along with Eric Roberts. He wears a hat throughout most of the film to the point where when I rewatched this film, um, I had completely missed him and had to go yeah. back to figure out what character he was. Mm-hmm. So, so this is a movie that you had seen many times before. You're revisiting. So are you trying to say that it doesn't hold up as much to your memory, but you're still saying – this is this is a quality feature film. I love the late '90s direct-to-video, semi an attempt to be a more mature uh-huh. script, but not going too far because you don't want to confuse the international buyers that don't necessarily translate all the jokes all the way to the other language. So Luck of the Draw sits up there very high among some of the kind of genre pictures that. I really enjoyed as a kid and could rewatch it again in a year or two and like it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is a very easy movie to watch. And uh, part of that, comes from the fact that you have all these great actors and there's also some really strong performances here, really people like giving it their all really bringing some energy to their roles. This is an interesting time period for this movie to have come out. It sort of feels like it should have come out like three years earlier, you know, right in that wave of post Pulp Fiction Tarantino-esque movies and there's obviously an attempt to, uh, especially with the uh, the the climactic scene in this movie to sort of get a feeling of a Tarantino style movie and, it's, and even with some of the cast that we have here and the very fact that we have such a kind of uh familiar faces, uh, whether it be, you know, Dennis Hopper from True Romance or Michael Madsen from a lot of Tarantino's work. But this, you know, it it doesn't, to me, feel like something that's so trying to be like a Tarantino movie that, that you kind of get lost in it. And a lot of the movies that came out in 97, 98 kind of felt more like that to me. Liam, over to you. Luck of the draw, what'd you think? <clears throat> I was pretty surprised how much I enjoyed it. Uh, as it, when it first gets going, it, it didn't immediately grab me. I was sure. sitting there being like, okay, here we go. Another low budget Eric Roberts action film. Dennis Hopper's in it and he's immediately insane. Am I going to be into this or not? Um, and honestly, I was surprised that a, there's a lot of momentum for a movie with so many different pieces it manages to keep them all moving and and there's only a few moments here and there that go that that feel unfocused that most of the film 
with between the hitman and then Dennis Hopper's crew and then the French dude and then our forehead guy and then the cops, the angry cops. You'd think it would just or I guess they're not cops, they're treasury officers. You would think there'd just be too many fucking balls in the air, but it all kind of works together. It's fun. Um I don't know if anyone wrote any of the lines Dennis Hopper says in the film. <laughs> Uh, which turned out to be a delight. I lo- Sometimes when I, I, I'm watching a low budget movie like this that Dennis Hopper's in, and he's just saying stuff, it's like really tedious to me. And for whatever reason, I didn't feel that at all. I felt I was like excited uh, by that, and and by a lot of the performances in the film, um, I, with the maybe sole exception of Forehead Guy, who I just don't enjoy. Um, <laughs> but very mean, mean thing to call. I was also not a fan of. James Marshall, but the supporting cast all around him totally brings it all up. Yeah, that's what it is. It's like he he might not be doing great, but everyone else is so good that I didn't mind, you know. And and um, it's funny you brought up the Tarantino thing because I, maybe this is just me, but I wasn't thinking of Tarantino at all during the movie until the the you know uh, Michael. Uh, Matson uh, puts in the the plays Miser Lou in the car, and then I was like, "Oh right, this is post Pulp Fiction." But before that, I wasn't really thinking of that. I was just thinking of like a I don't know a fun heisty movie with a lot of different sure. elements in it. Absolutely. And, and I think you're right. The part though that it comes across the most is the ending, which yeah, I mean the difference being um, the ending is is even more '90s, even though it's from 2000 than even Pulp Fiction is because they're doing the thing where everyone's shooting, but almost yeah. no one is ducking. Like no one is like <laughs> thinking like, perhaps I should hide behind an object while I'm shooting my pistol. The only person who even crouches is the two cops. They're the only people who crouch and then they live. It's like <laughs> by merely crouching, they have survived this death shootout that they're in. Uh, but, you know, as I said, we just watched, uh, some 90s movies for um, Cinepunks, and both those movies had the same thing. Everyone shoots standing fully out, not behind anything. They're just shooting away. So that didn't even make me think of Tarantino, other than the fact that you know people are all dead at the end, and that felt like a you know a Tarantino thing. I don't want to make it seem like I was. I'm implying that this is a very derivative film from Tarantino's movies because that's not really the case. It's more of a vibe of the time period. Uh, sure, po- sure. B- because of because of the impact that those movies were making. You know, just the very idea of like two hitmen kind of shooting the shit and having you know just conversations. I know that that it's not like there's not a history of Hollywood films which feature that sort of thing. But in the wake of something like Pulp Fiction, it feels a little more Tarantino-y, and especially at the end of this movie where you do have basically a room of yeah. like 10 or 12 people all pointing their guns at each other, all waiting for the first person to fire. And, uh, and the character is still standing is, well, we'll get to that in just a moment. I want to stick it to this cast for a little bit. Uh, there are again, a lot of familiar faces here. Uh, you know, some people got more to do than others. It was interesting to hear what you had to say about Dennis Hopper there. I actually want to get Greg's take. Greg, what are your feeling, feelings on Dennis Hopper as an actor? Do you share Liam's feelings that, you know, he can kind of run uh, hot or cold? Sometimes he's really engaged and other times he just seems like he's going through the motions? I love it when he is just a maniac. When Me he's too. <laughs> cursing up a storm, threatening to kill people, shooting people. That's the Dennis Hopper generally that I want. Not the calm, uh, low-key one that comes off in some of the films as he got older 
You know, uh, on that same note, we have a Michael Madsen performance here. It's a, it's a fun performance. It, there isn't really a lot to it. He's basically Jack Sweeney, the guy who ends up in possession of these plates to make counterfeit uh, money. Uh, he's his, I guess, old criminal buddy that he used to work with or his friends with who helps him kind of uh, uh, broker the deal to sell these things. And you, I think you mentioned on Twitter, Liam, that, that Michael Madsen being introduced kind of being – uh, in a bed literally covered by naked women was something that you uh, kind of brought the it brought the movie up a notch in your eyes. Well, because the movie felt kind of laid back, not laid back, but just nothing had happened yet to sort of amp the movie to uh, the level of insanity I needed it to be. And then here we go with Michael Madsen. And it's just, he just wakes up and there's just nudity everywhere. It's not even clear whose body parts these people are. It's just, <laughs> this is how we're going to see his character is just flesh, surrounded by flesh. And I thought, well, this is the sort of ridiculous decision. Before that, you know, we've got a lot of forehead guy not getting a job. All right, whatever. Um, the, the you know, um, Dennis Hopper in the limo with the French guy is, is kind of fun, but it just wasn't quite amped up. But I, sure. I think starting from that moment, I will say I, I loved Michael Madsen's performance in this up until towards the end of the movie. He just starts to. I don't know. It just feels like he's not as strong in the later part of the movie. And then when he, uh, you know, you know, sorry, y'all, when he dies, it's terrible. <laughs> Quite it's, suddenly. It's very bad because it's like he just doesn't know how to play off getting shot. So he gets <laughs> shot between the eyes and he definitely goes, uh oh, oh, <laughs> and you're like, no, that's not. That's not how that. That's not how that works. <laughs> He's just like he literally makes it sound like oh I, I oh man I stubbed my I stubbed my toe guys. It's it's, it's not it's notable that uh, there was a cast change in this movie, uh, and in fact, uh, um, Greg was nice enough to give a little bit more uh, information on this. But I do want to read just briefly the IMDb trivia for Luck of the Draw from the year two thousand. Make sure you read both of them. Oh, I'm reading both for sure. <laughs> The first, which we'll talk about in just a moment, is that Mickey Rourke originally had a role, uh, making this a uh, Pope of Greenwich Village kind of reunion with him and Eric Roberts. Mickey Rourke originally had a role, but he walked off the set when the producers refused to let him include his pet chihuahua in the movie. Very believable. Uh, and in fact, uh, it has been confirmed uh, by the information you sent over, Greg. Very believable. Everyone knows that Mickey Rourke loves that fucking chihuahua. And also that Mickey Rourke can be a difficult presence. I, I would have liked to have seen him in that Michael Madsen role. In this, which I believe is the role that he was supposed to to be in, though uh, I wonder if they would have beefed it up a little bit if it was Mickey Rourke. Uh, the other piece of trivia, <laughs> I'm just going to read it verbatim. This a movie Dennis Hopper was in. He also starred in Hoosiers from 1986. <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie, not this is this a movie, Liam. Dennis Hopper is in. Honestly, I can't fault it. It is 100% accurate while also being very strange. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that's. Uh, I want to get your take, uh, Greg, on some of the supporting performances here. And would you have liked to have seen Mickey Rourke take that Michael Madsen role? Absolutely. I think Madsen is a little more believable as someone that James Marshall may have gotten that's to know true. at some point. Mickey Rourke just seems like he'd be higher up in the criminal organization <laughs> that James Marshall used to be involved in. Um, but Ice-T is delightful. The script yeah. actually only has one or two F-words for his character, so the 30 or 40 MFs that you hear throughout his short performance are all Ice-T's ad-libbing. Um, 
William Forsyth. I believe that's how you pronounce it. I may be wrong. He, I think it's Forsyth. I'm going to go with Forsyth. Great man. I think Direct Hit was it, or Direct Action was a great starring vehicle he had with PM Entertainment a few years prior to this. <laughs> Choose the scenery in all of his scenes. Uh, and Patrick Kilpatrick, always great. Um, Frank Gorshin. Uh, how old did you say he was at this point? 67, I believe. Yes. Another great man. I, I love like I, I love Frank Gorshin. And I shouldn't just mention him as, as being the Riddler, even though it is probably the performance he's both best known for. But I love seeing him in anything. And uh, he was also, of course, a renowned impressionist uh, at, at, during his time and, and, you know, a regular uh, uh, talk show. I mean, he's just a fascinating character. So it was really nice to see him pop up here. And he, he was actually had a very interesting character. And that's another thing about this movie is that, you know, these, these actors are given something to do. I really like the fact that Ice-T, you know, he's this hard ass um, who was very skeptical about these plates at first. But once he realizes that, you know, he can make some money, he, you know, his intentions are absolutely, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you the money. We we are respectable. While you have Dennis Hopper's group who would, are so fucking crazy that you don't know what they're going to do. And I think even Dennis Hopper says at the end that the, you know, you want if, if you're working with the same people, you want them to be more scared of them than they are of this other group. So, uh, yeah, I really loved a lot of the performances. I love seeing William Forsyth in this. He does have the great line to his subordinate in this where he says, you stick with me, you'll be farting through silk underwear. Liam, farting through silk underwear. I mean, do I want to do it? No. Let's talk about the twist. Now, this movie came out in the year 2000. So it was a couple of years away from movies getting a little too twisty. So this movie only has a single twist in terms of characters uh, at the end. Well, I guess there's a couple of twists. We'll talk about that in just a second. But the big twist is, spoiler alert, everybody. Skip ahead if you don't want to hear this. William Forsyth, who was working, what, for the Treasury Department, Liam? Yeah, he's a Treasury Department officer. He's... Really committed to this case. He just wants to bust these guys so bad. And people are getting killed left and right. And he's just like, I just I want to stay on this case. At the end, it's revealed that the reason he wanted to stay on it is because he couldn't resist the urge to steal the plates himself. He he, he turns criminal at the end, shoots his own partner, uh, William Forsyth. What a jerk. And and But I kind of saw it coming because you don't bring William Forsyth into a movie like this. A, William Forsyth, is hard, it's hard to buy him as a good guy, almost always. But B, he didn't really have that much to do outside uh, of some of that crazy dialogue. So I had to feel like he was going to be involved in the ending in some capacity. So uh, when he did a little turn, it didn't shock me. But, you know, it was still, I think, a nice little character moment for him. So let's talk about the ending properly. And what happens after that? William Forsyth, he's, he's standing in a, in a pile of bodies. Everybody is dead, basically. And William Forsyth, he, uh, he grabs the, the stuff, is about to leave. What happens, Liam? Okay, so way back earlier in the movie, <laughs> they introduce a character who I identified as a slick-haired French guy because I, I guess I wasn't paying enough attention during that moment. And then at some point, he shows up again, and I'm like, nope, I was wrong. This dude is definitely Scottish with a crew cut. Uh, but the, the whole I film, think, Liam. Yeah, I mean, or Irish. You, you think he's Irish? I believe he's Irish. Are you kidding me? Yes. Yeah, you're right. He's probably Irish. That's my. my I mean, of my all mind. the people to not recognize an Irish accent, Liam O'Donnell. Oh, I guess. I mean, you're the one who lives in, uh, you know, inbred Irish land up there in lived. Canada. Lived. Lived. <laughs> not me. <laughs> but here's the thing. Um, this dude shows up. We don't actually know 
<coughs> who he's been specifically hired to kill. But he just keeps showing up at various places throughout the film and murdering people. Like, yes. just lots of murder on his part and never getting in trouble. No one even knows he's there. The cops don't know he exists. So when uh, uh, Forsyth finally, you know, uh, executes his dashly plan and takes his – I noticed this. He took his vest off. It's like the Irish dude knew the vest was off. He just turns a quarter and shoots him and just yeah. is like, all right, well, this is mine now. And not only that, he lets Mr. McForehead live. Yeah, he does because he went to his apartment, saw a photo – of his girlfriend. That's all he has in his apartment is one photo of him and his girlfriend. By the way, their relationship is very strange how it develops. Um, she basically forces him into a relationship with her. <laughs> yep. uh, I mean, it, it is really strange. Uh, I guess she just liked the cut of his jib, uh, if jib means gigantic forehead. I mean, um, you also notice she never reveals to him that she works at a bank for criminals and she knows they're all criminals and mm -hmm. she never makes a connection that all the criminals who want to murder him are her clients. Like <laughs> yeah. that they never, there's this huge connection between their lives that he never finds. I assume they discuss it later at the end of the movie on the Island, but there, there's, it just never comes up that they're actually connected other than by the fact that she wants to fuck him. Okay. So I want Greg, Greg, Liam gave a, a nice summary of the ending, but not the very ending. What happens after what he just said? So uh, just to, to people put people in the in the mindset again, we had this hitman. He's killed William Forsythe. The only people left alive are this hitman who just walks off and James Marshall. He takes a bag, uh, a, a thing full of money that was supposed to have a million dollars in it. And what happens then, Greg? Well, first, it's important to note, Patrick Kilpatrick actually says in his delightful Irish accent something like, you're lucky I'm a believer in love. Not, not an Irish accent. Um, and then he walks out. James Marshall discovers that the suitcase with a million dollars is still there. And then you cut to an island. And he and Wendy Benson... Um, are together on the island. It looks like he's been, he waited three weeks or searched for her for three weeks before finally finding her on this island that they had discussed uh, on their date because she took off from the bank. Uh, now, you are missing one important detail here. Liam, am I wrong about him missing a detail here? He goes to the bank to find her and finds yes. out that she quit. And then we have this really depressing shot of him outside the bank. And I thought, no, oh, she left him. He's that's it. They're done. And it, and then she's on the beach. And it's only then he walks up on the beach. So we just have to infer like, oh, he figured out where she was. No, no, I I I, I swear both of you have gotten this wrong. Because <laughs> he picks up the the briefcase that's supposed to have a million dollars in it, opens it up, and it just has like a phone book and shit in it. You said she... that in a, in your lead up to us telling you what happened. You said, yeah, but I did not say. Have... Yeah, but she stole the money when she was yeah. supposed to be putting the money in. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't think that we, we mentioned that. I think that's kind of an important point. She stole the million dollars, went to the island, and waited for him to catch up with her. I had forgotten that part, to be honest, even though well, I've watched this movie ten different times in my life. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I think, it, I think it is important because it's one of the aspects of the film I like, which is that um, James uh, Marshall is an idiot and he can't get anything <laughs> right. And that the only reason they come out in any sort of positive way is because of her. So that aspect I like, even if their entire relationship is like basically their connection is she sees him one time in a suit and says, <laughs> I want some of that. Then she hits on him consistently throughout the movie until he finally gives in. 
and never reveals that they're actually connected in every other way, but they never there's no scene where they realize like, oh, everything about our lives is also connected. They just think they have their own issues going on and they like to be together. And we're the ones who have to sit there going like, oh, man, if they could only have a conversation about more than having sex or a, a few things here and there, maybe they'd realize that they could help each other, but they just never get there. I don't have a lot of faith that their relationship is going to go the distance. He um, found her on the island. I, I I felt like the island scene was tacked on that they ended with him just being left behind. And then <laughs> someone, like, someone that's, watched that's the Shawshank problem. Redemption and be like, let's just end it like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Eric Roberts, the actor, uh, who is a featured player here in Luck of the Draw from the year 2000. He is Dennis Hopper's, I guess, his number one man, his number one hitman in this. He gets a good bit of screen time uh, in the movie. Uh, And I am going to – I'm just going to say it outright. I think Eric Roberts is the best performance in this movie. I think he is the most fun to watch. I think he is the highlight of the movie overall. He seems like he's having a really good time. He's got a bit of nervous energy, which long-time listeners know that I love when it comes to Eric Roberts' performances. Uh, and also is perpetually annoyed by his doofus uh, uh, co-hitman, who I have discovered now with Sasha Mitchell from the beloved sitcom Step by Step. Starting with our guest. No, you know what? Starting with Liam O'Donnell, my co-host. Liam, what's Eric Roberts all about in Luck of the Draw? You know, I uh, I also liked his performance, but I I have to disagree, and maybe this is just my bias here. Uh, I <laughs> I found Dennis Hopper's performance more memorable, even mm. though what's funny is Dennis Hopper's character is maybe more significant because he's the big bad, but he's sure. actually on screen significantly less than Eric Roberts. That's true, and yet I found his performance more memorable, and the 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 scene. That is my favorite in Eric Roberts is the one you already mentioned when he goes to take care of James Marshall in some sense and he ends up having to shoot or maybe he doesn't have to. But he shoots his uh, his uh, his thug uh, accomplice because he shoots him first, obviously, in the leg and then he shoots him like five times. <laughs> but that that was pretty great. And, and, and his other scenes were good. But it, it it wasn't for me the, like a like a super memorable performance. But it was certainly not a bad performance, and I and I really liked it. Maybe it's just I wanted uh, something slightly more uh, amped up from him. I'm not sure. Um, so but, when you say William, when you say you're biased, you mean you're biased against Eric Roberts? No, I mean I'm biased towards Dennis Hopper because when he first comes on, I'm like, oh, Dennis Hopper's. Got this terrible accent. Not quite as bad as that movie we watched where he was supposed to be Irish. That was a that. Oh, was that's right. But, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was a similar. Blood, was that like, no? Wait, like, we got to stay on that for a second. What was it called? Blood was that Blood Red? That yeah, it's Julia not, Roberts. It's only one that Julie and Eric are in together, right? And boy, his Irish accent it's is almost terrible. As, it's so painful. Almost so, as bad as Patrick Kilpatrick. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, Dennis Hopper in this. He's got this accent that I don't love, and and at first I just kind of thought like, oh, is he got, not going to be present? But actually, he just keeps saying insane shit throughout the movie mm. that gets more and more insane for me. And that I just remember when it ended, thinking like, man, it's weird how much I'm thinking about that more than I am Eric Roberts's performance. But that's that doesn't make Eric Roberts' performance bad at all. In fact, I think you're right that he. When it comes to just straight up embodying and creating a character, he's doing a lot more work than, say, Michael Madsen, who is literally playing Michael Madsen, 
who just happens to also be a criminal. Like, in fact, everything about his character where he just might know Ice T. Like, like I bet Michael Matson, the actor, just knows a guy who might want a counterfeit plate if you like, if he had to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's he's not doing much. Whereas like Eric Roberts has become a guy, and like that is someone who lives in the world. Like, it, it's a very believable performance. But you know, I just love Dennis Hopper saying crazy stuff, man. I do want to mention quickly before I uh, I get Greg's take on Eric Roberts' performance that this movie also has a small appearance by Eliza Roberts, who also was the mm-hmm. casting director in this movie uh, at, at, under the name Eliza uh, Simons in this case. But uh, but yeah, she appears briefly at the very end of the movie when uh, Forehead Guy asks if where his uh, his girlfriend is at the bank, and she's like, I don't know, she's gone or whatever. Uh, Greg Conley, my beloved friend. What did you think of Eric Roberts in Luck of the Draw? Well, like Liam said, Dennis Hopper is probably more memorable. He gets to play the maniac. He gets to say lines like, go French F yourself (laughs) through the phone and tell his. Oh, yeah, that was great. Tell his topless girlfriend that we we wear clothes at the dinner table. (laughs) Eric Roberts, meanwhile, is that lovable oaf criminal assistant that he's played and I've definitely seen it in a couple films uh, usually doesn't get to really have a meaty supporting role especially nowadays it's just a one day in one day out sure, sure. affair with most of his movies as you guys are well aware uh, but this was a performance where I know when I was 13 or 14 years old seeing this movie uh, maybe it being my first Eric Roberts movie uh, I remembered who Eric Roberts was after that for a reason yeah I mean I think I, I will say that one of the great things about this movie compared to some of the star-studded movies that we've seen on Eric Roberts' The Fucking Man is that th- you do remember the performances. You remember some of the lines from William Forsythe. You remember that unhinged Ice-T performance where he's swearing with every line. You you know, you remember Michael Madsen in The Pile of Women. Like, you remember moments from these characters in ways that you don't always uh, in these movies where, where you bring in these actors for a few days and let them shoot their part or whatever. But I do, I will say, still disagree and say that though I love Dennis Hopper, actually I love him a lot in most things. Even when he's bad, I love him. Um, I, Eric Roberts was my focus and he was the character that I was most drawn to in this movie. And uh, But I, I feel like at, at its core, we're all saying the same thing. And so let's just say it. Let's just say it, guys. Greg... Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in 2000's Luck of the Draw? Of course. Of course? He's the man, of course, of course. Liam O'Donnell, fucking man or no? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Look, you know what, guys? We can all be so positive and happy. This is, it's, sometimes this has been a bit of a, a, bit of a <clears throat> sometimes this has been a bit of a struggle, right? It's hard to get uh, everyone on the same page regarding Eric Roberts being the fucking man over the last, you know, 10, 15, 30 episodes or so. But this time, it it is right across the board. Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 2000s. Luck of the draw. With that said, I think it's time for us to take our final break. Uh, we are going to do a little plugging. We're going to talk to Greg and we're going to say goodnight. <laughs>
And that was episode number 91 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I want to give a massive thank you to our guest today, Greg Conley. Greg, I know you were a fan of the show. I knew that you uh, that you worked in this this field that I really didn't know much about. And I'm glad that you actually enlightened us about it at the beginning of the show. But I have to be honest, I was skeptical about how you might be on the podcast. And you have been an absolute delight. Very lucky to have you on here. Greg, where can people find everything that you're doing on the internet? And how can they pitch in to help? I can totally see why you would have deep skepticism about the vaping guy wanting to be a guest on your Eric Roberts show. Let me first thank you, because I spend a quarter of my year or more on the road, and podcasts are what get me through flights, long drives, going to sleep in strange hotel rooms, etc. We're good at getting people to sleep, I'll tell you. That is one of our specialties. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Eric Roberts is the man. So many other shows. I'll give some. I don't, I, a lot of your guests have podcasts and writing websites to plug. So I don't have that. We just have vaping.org. Uh, I'll plug a couple of my favorite podcasts. Uh, the Important Cinema Club. Loose Cannons, which needs to come back. Uh, mm-hmm. No Such Thing as a Bad Movie. Radiodrome. There's a few others. Um, but uh, I really Loose hope. Cannons. Loose Cannons, one of the hosts of that is our friend of the show, Justin DeClue, I believe. Yes, as is Important Cinema Club. I believe he yes, of course. reviewed Raptor uh, on this show with you a while ago. Maybe That's before. right. And I was on the Important Cinema Club. I haven't gotten to that episode yet. That, I, just I was. Play. I was on a special live episode of it, filmed out, uh, filmed, recorded out in Toronto before the What the Film Festival last year. Uh, something to look forward to, Greg. Yeah, it took me a little while to listen to the Important Cinema Club because I – don't usually like to listen to podcasts about important cinema. And then you sure. realize it's a joke. <laughs> we had a show about Fred Olin Ray and Jim Wynorski, and that's what uh, that's what got me in. Yep, so absolutely. thank you, and I look forward uh, to whatever future project you have. Hopefully it's the David Dakota cast or the New Image <laughs> cast or the PM Entertainment cast, something that will really, really quadruple or more the current audience. Going from four listeners to ten listeners, Liam, can we do it? God, I hope so. God, I hope so. Finally bring in some of that sweet Patreon money that we've always yearned for, Liam. And I know, look, I want you to do well, Liam. We have to have a podcast that people listen to for you to do well. So that'll be the next thing. Liam and I, listeners, by the way, if anyone didn't listen to our most recent episode, number 90, Varric Roberts is the fucking man, you missed the giant announcement that we are on the final 10 uh, episodes for now of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. There will no be no more regular episodes after episode 100. And Liam and I have to put our heads together and come up with a brilliant new podcast concept that is going to take the world by storm or at least get us enough listeners to be able to quit our shitty day jobs. Right, Liam? I mean, that. Whew, I don't even I'm not even worried about quitting the day job. I just quit want it. I just want to be able to, like, not have podcasting cost me more money. That's yeah. that's all I need. You want to at least break even. So we won't quit our jobs, but we'll want to break even on this whole thing. Yeah, that'd be nice. Liam, what's going on over at CinePunks? Well, I actually... Wait, just... Liam, I'm going to stop you for a second there. Oh, God Greg, damn it. Greg, where can people find you on Twitter? Oh, our um, the American Vaping Association's Twitter is AVA Board, and then my Twitter is Greg THR. Greg THR stands for Tobacco Harm Reduction. And sadly, I don't get to tweet about Eric Roberts very often. It is mostly a work account. But uh, just know that I'm thinking about Eric Roberts while I tweet. 
Wow, people can still follow if they're interested in the subject matter that we talked about today, Eric Roberts or no. Uh, and we'll, of course, link that in the show notes. Liam, I'm sorry for interrupting you. I'll never do that again ever on this podcast. What's going on at Cinepunks? <laughs> I don't remember now. It went out of my brain. No. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I just had a new uh, piece of writing go up today. Um, we have a column uh, at Cinepunks called Wrecked, where a staff member uh, – recommend some movies and people on staff are supposed to pick one and write about it and hasn't quite taken off yet but i i got in mind what day is it today today is the 14th and 14th. This, this was this was for the list in december so i'm only 14 days late it's <laughs> not too bad no but it, it was a write-up of a movie called land of mine uh which is um a oh, danish film uh, okay. from, I don't know, 2000 something. Uh, but it, I, I guess post World War II, um, the Denmark had all their German POWs clear all the mines from their beaches. And, uh, it's, it was, it's a movie about that. It's a real, real, real upbeat film. Um, but, uh, go ahead and check that out. And, you know, we obviously have new episodes, uh, of Harvest and Cinepunks going up. We're recording a new, uh, episode of Flight Stuff soon. Um, and we have a couple new podcasts that I don't know that we can announce yet, but okay. um, I think some cool new stuff is coming on board. Hopefully soon. We're still in discussions, but uh, if things work out, we should have at least three new podcasts this year. And you can find Liam on Twitter at Liam Rules. That's R-U-L-Z. And you can, of course, go over to Cinepunks.com and follow Cinepunks on Twitter at Cinepunks. Is that correct, Liam? That is correct. Thanks, Doug. You can, if you want to find out more about Eric Roberts is the fucking man, you can go over to ericrobertsisthemand.com or you can follow us on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M or you can uh, check us out on Facebook. Just do a search for Eric Roberts is the man on there. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter as well. It's Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E. Why? You can also check out my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, over at nobudgetpodcast.com. We just finished talking about the 2005 uh, methamphetamine uh, uh, film, low-budget film, Iowa, uh, which was a Patreon special that we we have a lot of interesting things to say about it. By the time this episode comes out, it'll either be out or just a couple of days later. But check that out over at nobudgetpodcast.com or on Twitter at nobudgetpodcast. But that's all I have to say, everybody. It's time for us to say goodnight once again. We're going to close the Eric Roberts bag, and we'll be back very soon with another Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everybody. Night. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man.